Hey, uh, Merry Christmas. There we go. Um, my, uh, we went shopping the other day and we had my, my three-year-old with us and one of the workers uh, told her Merry Christmas and she thought it was the coolest thing ever. So for the next hour and a half, every person she saw, she said Merry Christmas to. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, but man, Christmas is all around us. We got lights going. My, my family was at the, uh, the square lighting last night and then Afterwards, we drove through Valley of Lights, right? Christmas is everywhere. Amazon packages do not stop showing up at your front door. Husbands, you know what I'm talking about, right? I I came home the other day and there was literally like a a wall of packages, this box lined up in front of our front door. And I was just like, wow, good job, babe, right? You don't know how we're going to pay for it, but that lady put in some work. She did some good job there. Right, Christmas is everywhere. We got trees up. We got lights everywhere. We got the joy of Christmas, the excitement. Christmas is the most wonderful time of year, except when it's not. All right, except when all you can think about is that loved one that won't be able to join you this year because they're not here. Except when all you can think about this year is the fact that financially you can't make Christmas happen because you didn't get that job. You got released from your job. It's the most joyous time of year, except when your marriage is on the rocks and as hard as you've prayed that those divorce papers won't be filed, they are. See, Christmas, we have this stereotype, man, it's, a, it's such a joyful time, but what if this time of year you're sitting here and you're going, I just don't feel the joy. I just don't have that joy. I can't experience that joy this year. And, and what if you're just experiencing anything but joy? So we're in a series right now and it's called Good news. And we're talking about the good news that Christmas brings. Christmas brings good news. Christmas brings excitement. Christmas brings the news of a savior for the world, which is amazing. And we're going to dive into that this morning. We're going to be uh, in Luke chapter two, uh, verse nine. It says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Translation, they were peeing their pants, right? Like they were terrified. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. For all the people, joy for everyone, right? It's like Oprah, you get joy, you get joy. You get joy for everyone, right? You ever told someone news that brings great joy? I had a, anytime we have big news for our kids, exciting news, we line them up and my my wife gets her, her phone out and she's ready to record, right? And I come in and I'm like, girls, we're going to Disneyland, right? And they're jumping up and down. They're screaming, right? Our three-year-old's screaming. She's got her arms up. She has no clue what she's jumping for, but she's all about it, right? That's what we think of this first Christmas. The angels appeared and they said, great joy for everyone. So joy was probably what was happening. Everyone was experiencing joy. It's a wonderful time of year. And that's exactly not what it was. Right, right. The first Christmas was not your precious moment nativity scene that you have at your house. It was probably a lot of difficulty, a lot of disappointment. And maybe that's where some of you are today. Maybe you're going into the season and you're going, man, I wish I had a reason to be joyful. I wish I could experience that joy. And I think you're in the same spot as a lot of the characters in this first Christmas story. I think of Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, one of the main characters. In Luke 1, it says this, it says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled by his words. Translation, she Peter pants too, right? She was scared out of her mind. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And this is where we all clap and go, this is beautiful unless you're Mary. She's probably between 12 and 14 years old at the time. That means she just got absolutely smacked in the face with an unexpected teen pregnancy. Right, that means that she just got hit with something that she was not ready for, and now she became the absolute focus of everyone's attention. And instead of being the one that, that people talked to, she was just the one that people talked about. Her reputation is completely wrecked. She's engaged, and at this point, she's going, This engagement is probably just not going to happen. There's no way. Or like, literally, everything that could possibly go wrong at this moment, not to mention the fact that she's probably scared out of her mind, probably a little angry. And on top of all of it, she didn't ask for it. On top of all of it, she's probably going, God, how am I in this situation? I didn't ask for any of this. Maybe you can relate. I think of Joseph. I think of Joseph and and it says in Matthew 1, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph right here, man, he's taken biology class. He knows how these things happen. And he knows he didn't do what it takes in order for these things to happen. And it says because he's an upright guy, because he's a good guy, he's just going to divorce her quietly but he had every right to drag her into the town square in the middle and just point and be like, you, cheater, right there, right? Hand her the scarlet letter at that point. He had all the right to do that because he was in this situation that again, he didn't ask for. And he's angry. And he's dealing with a lot of situation and emotion and feeling and things that are going on that you can probably relate to. And you go, I get it. I get it. I'm now dealing with stuff that I did not even expect to be dealing with, especially around Christmas. See, I think one of the cool things about uh, pregnancy is that it's long enough that you can get over the initial shock, right? Nine months later, Mary and Joseph are probably like, okay, this is happening, right? Like, this is okay. They're getting over the initial shock of this and going, ready or not, we're doing this and it's okay. We're, we're going to make it happen. And just when they they probably got over the initial shock is when they had to put Mary on the back of a donkey and ride for days. Now, now, now I've never been pregnant before, but I'm telling you, when when my wife was pregnant, man, she wasn't going to get in the car for a couple hours, let alone ride on a donkey for a couple of days. Not what they expected, right? And then they get there and they're getting, getting ready to give birth to the savior of the world and they give birth in a barn. I remember when my kids, uh, my first kids were about to be born and we went and we toured the hospital so we could know kind of the lay of the land, what it was gonna look like. And I remember we went in there and they were showing us the rooms and we were living in, in South Orange County at the time and Laguna is where we were 
going to be delivering. So we went into this hospital and they showed us this room and I can only describe it to you as like a four-star hotel. All right. Like it was incredible. And they're showing us all the amenities and all the amazing things. And they're like, and this bed is for you, mom. And dad, you have this full bed over here and it's awesome. And I'm just like, this is great. Do you have any questions? I'm like, yeah, one question. Where do we actually give birth to the babies? Like, where does this happen? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They walk over, they pushed a button on the wall. The ceiling opened up and all of the doctor's equipment came down. The walls and the cabinets opened up, all the doctor's equipment, literally anything that could go wrong was gonna be taken care of. They had equipment for everything. They had trained professionals for everything. Well, and this is awesome. This is where a baby should be born. Mary and Joseph, their baby was born in a barn. Right, I can just imagine Joseph's over there like shoveling poo. Like, I got it, Mary. Don't worry, it's not as bad as it smells. It's okay, right? Trying to get it ready and Mary's over there like probably really supportive of him in that moment. And they're trying to get their baby born and everything's gonna be awesome. And finally this baby's born and Mary and Joseph had the wonderful idea to place their beautiful baby in a, an animal's feeding trough, Right? This is where they want to put this. Anyone ever seen an animal eat before? It's like, like slobber everywhere. Like it's not what you think. Like this is not FDA approved. Like they're not setting their baby in something that's ready to go. Like this is where Mary and Joseph's first Christmas happened. This is the disappointment that hit Mary and Joseph. And from their perspective, this first Christmas was not all holiday cheer. All right, and you might be going into the season feeling overwhelmed feeling stressed out, feeling angry, feeling an overwhelming sense of sadness that's creeping into depression. And you might be going into this season wondering, how do I find joy? How did Mary and Joseph find joy in this first season? And the first thing I want you to know is this. The first thing I want you to know is that joy is found in believing what God says over what we feel. Oh, snap, it's getting real in here this morning. Joy is believing what God says over what we feel. And I'm not discounting your feelings here, but, but here's what I want you to know is that the, the enemy likes to use our feeling to make us forget God's promises. The enemy likes to, to pin down and push down on our feelings and the situations that we're going through and make us forget that the, the God who created us has a plan and has a purpose for us. This last year and a half has been pretty difficult for most people when it comes to COVID, it comes to loss of jobs, dealing with illness. It hasn't been easy for anyone, but I just got to be honest, I think it's been uh, one of the hardest on, on pastors. Pastors have had such a difficult road to walk, and um, I don't know if you know this, but the restrictions are a lot more strict in California than they are here. And I, I was at a church in California, and I remember... Um, Whatever we did, right? If we made a decision to do something, there was a group of people that were mad at us for doing something. And if we made a decision to not do something, there was a group of people that were mad at us for not doing it, right? Church people get crazy. Not you guys, not you guys. You guys are good. You guys, but other church people, they, you know. But I remember I was in my room and I was on the ground and I was just pounding the floor and yelling at God, God, why is this happening? Like I, I, I've clearly heard I called to ministry at 17 years old and my whole life had been working towards being in ministry. And for the last decade and a half, I've been pastoring and I've been in ministry. And this moment, as I sat there on the floor, I just, God, I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be in ministry. 
I just want to give up. In that moment, that's when God's voice started coming through and he started saying, remember what I promised. God will never leave you or forsake you. God will go before you. God is with you. But the enemy wants to get in and say, yeah, but you're, what you're feeling right now, that's all that exists. Forget about God. Forget about what he said. Forget about his word. Forget about his promises. But the truth is, is that we need to believe what God says over what we feel. Because the, the danger in this is this. The problem is that a lot of times our feelings that are based around our situation start creeping into how we view ourself. What I mean is when you have a car that continues to break down, your feelings start shifting from the situation of the car to the feelings of, I'm just not good enough. If I was good enough, I could afford a car that wouldn't break down. We start turning it onto seeing our worth and our value diminishing. But the truth is, is that God said something completely different, right? God says something completely different. In the midst of our feelings of, man, I'm just not good enough. God's saying, no, you actually were worth everything. And this is why I love Christmas because what Christmas does is Christmas proves our worth. Christmas proves your worth. It proves your value. You know how you determined the value of something? The value of something is determined by how much someone is willing to pay for it. So if you went shopping right now, that one person on your list that you're like, I just don't know what to get them. And you found a pair of socks and you're like, this is perfect, but it cost $100. You're not buying it. You're not buying it because it's not worth that. The value of something is determined by how much someone is willing to pay for it. Listen, church, this is the most important thing you're gonna hear. God chose to send Jesus, his only begotten son to the earth to die for you on your behalf because you are worth it. You are worth him sending Jesus to die for you. Come on, somebody get excited about that. The problem is this, sometimes we start walking in our condition instead of walking in our position. See, your position is a son or daughter of the king. Your position is someone that had extreme worth and value, enough for Jesus to die. And we need to start walking in our position, not our condition, not the situation that we're in. Joy is found in believing what God says over what we feel. Joy is also, the next thing is this, is joy is found in Jesus. Joy is found in Jesus. See, Mary and Joseph's joy was not in the, the long donkey ride that they had to take. Mary and Joseph's joy was not in shovel and poo in the barn. Right? Mary and Joseph's joy was not in their situation. It was in the baby. It was in the fact that they raised the savior of the world. That's where their joy was found. Our joy is not found in our circumstance or our situation. Our joy is found in Jesus. But oftentimes, this is what happens. Oftentimes, we associate our joy with a situation. And so what we try to do is we try to escape that situation. And if we can just momentarily numb the pain or get away from that situation, then we can experience joy. And so we, we turn to things and we go, you know what? If we, if we just can just find joy in this food, or we can just find joy in exercise, or we can just find joy in alcohol, or we can just find joy in sex, or we can just find joy in momentarily removing ourselves from our situation, then we'll find joy. But the truth is this, church, is that 
Just escaping our pain is not enough because joy is in the absence of pain and suffering. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. Joy is found in Jesus. It's not in removing a situation. It's in Jesus. So we have to understand that our joy is found in Jesus. Our joy is found in the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, in order to make a way for you to have a relationship with God. See, joy is found in believing what God says over what we feel. Joy is also found in Jesus himself. But how do you experience that joy? Joy is experienced in purpose. Joy is experienced in purpose. You know how you experience joy? By living the life you were created for in Jesus. You heard us say that before? That's our vision, man. We want you to live the life that you were created for in Jesus. We want to create a place where you can come and you can understand that purpose and that calling on your life and you can live in that. You were created on purpose for a purpose. There is no accidental kids. There are only accidental parents, which means there are no accidental people. You are here on purpose for a purpose. God has put you exactly where you are for a reason. He has something for you to do and he cares enough that he wants to walk with you to see that accomplished. You have a purpose. So how do you discover your purpose? You discover your purpose by encountering Jesus, by putting yourself around people and in places where you can encounter Jesus. You discover your purpose by engaging with your faith. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You engage in your faith by going through growth track, by getting in a group. And then you, you discover your purpose by being empowered to serve Jesus, by joining a serve team, by being a part of God's mission. That's how you discover your purpose. See, when we sit in our disappointment, void of joy and joy is gone and we don't have joy, a lot of times it's because we haven't done anything to live in our purpose yet. And here's why. It's because our purpose determines our path. And when we head down a path that, that has nothing to do with our purpose and we're heading down it and we're like, where is joy? I can't find joy in this. I can't find joy in what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. Where is joy? It's because you're heading down a path that isn't driven by your purpose. And when you head down a path that is, is walking in your purpose, you're able to experience joy. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy because actually it says the opposite. It says wide is the road that leads to destruction and narrow is the road that leads to righteousness. But as you walk in your purpose, as you walk in what God has designed you for, you're able to experience the joy that comes through Jesus. Joy is found in Jesus. Joy is experienced in our purpose. See, some of you might be ready to give up. You might be ready to throw in the towel. You might be ready to say, I'm, I'm done with God. This was my last chance. And I walked in this room today looking for some kind of joy around Christmas and you just can't find it. And you're ready to give up on God. But here's what we see from this first Christmas. Here's what we see from the first Christmas. They worshiped in the midst of their disappointment. In the midst of what's going on, in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through right now, we can learn from them and we can worship God in the midst of our disappointment. And the people in that first Christmas, they showed us how. They showed us how to worship. And Mary, she waited it out, right? Mary trusted God in the middle of our situation. We go, God, I don't know what's going on and I don't know how to get through this. 
And God's going, just trust me. Just trust me. Just wait it out. See, Mary got to wait it out. Mary got to raise the savior of the world. Mary got to see him raised from the dead and conquer sin and conquer death. Mary worshiped God by trusting him. Joseph, man, Joseph worshiped God by obeying him. I don't know what God has called you to do during this season, but a lot of times it's really easy to go, but what I want to do, and God's going, just obey me. Joseph's like, I just want to get rid of her. I just want to divorce her quietly. It's not a big deal. I'll just move on with my life. And God's going, no, I want you to marry her and I want you to continue to walk through life with her. And Joseph had to make the choice to obey God and worship him through his obedience. I think about the wise men. We, we, we celebrate them. We talk about them during this time of year. The wise men worshiped through giving gifts. So you can give the gift of your time this year. You can worship God by serving, by serving, by saying, God, I want to just give my time and worship you that way. Worship God through giving gifts. How many of you know that we are having a, a new location launch very soon in Prescott Valley? Prescott Valley, yeah, there we go. Four of you that are excited about it, cool. <laughs> Listen, we're pumped about it. It is happening, it is coming. Ready or not, here we go. And I just wanna be really honest with you, church. For some things, we're not ready. There are some things that need to happen in order for that campus to be ready to minister to people. And we wanna give you an opportunity to be able to give gifts specifically to that campus. In the lobby, as you walk out, you'll see we have a wall there with items on it specifically where you can grab an item and you say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna sponsor some chairs. I can just buy a chair. I can, I can worship God with the gift of a chair for that location. Maybe it's a coffee maker and you're like, I wanna worship God with this. Or maybe you're like, I don't know if I can do that, but I can buy a pack of glue sticks for the kids' classroom. There's gifts that you can give this Christmas to worship God through whatever it is you're going through in order to find joy and in order to bring joy. And the shepherds, I love this. The shepherds, the way that they worshiped is that they told everyone, right? They told everyone. I love this, Luke 2, 17, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. See, telling good news and sharing the love of Jesus diminishes our disappointment. When we tell someone good news, it diminishes our disappointment. We, uh, we got loaded up the kids on Black Friday to go Black Friday shopping, got them all in the car and we're like, we're going. And we went to Walmart because I'm on a pastor's salary and that's all I can afford. So we hit up Walmart and we're getting ready and we got our cart full of stuff and we're heading out. And as we're walking through the checkout and we got some normal like grocery type stuff in there, we got some other stuff and somebody walked up to us and said, hey, I wanna pay for all of your stuff. And I said, I don't know what to say. And I just kind of stammered through, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And he said, I know I don't have to do that. But I get to show the love of Jesus and show his joy to somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So we left Walmart and we went to a place that brings me joy. We went to Taco Bell. It brings me a lot of joy. And then a couple hours later, yeah, we won't talk about that part. 
But as we're pulling up to the drive-through window and we're going through, the lady that's working there sticks her head out the window and she has this giant hat with a Christmas tree on one side and a turkey on the other. And she's got this light necklace and she's like, hey, welcome. And I'm like, you really love your job. But as I drove away, man, I had a smile on my face and I thought to myself, she understands what it means to spread the joy and love of Jesus. She didn't talk about Jesus, but her actions showed she probably knows Jesus. So you have an opportunity to tell someone this Christmas. We have Christmas Eve services coming up and you have an opportunity to invite someone to a Christmas Eve service that might never go to church in their life. This is what's awesome about holiday services is it's like putting a ball on a tee. It's an easy one. Somebody's waiting for you to invite them to come and experience the hope and love and joy found in Jesus. We have an opportunity to spread his love by inviting somebody, by telling them about Jesus. You have an opportunity by by sharing the love of Jesus, by writing notes, writing letters to elderly that are in care facilities in our community. And you'll see that right outside the doors as you head out today. As a church, we're doing that. We want to bless them with just hundreds and hundreds of notes that are encouragement, that are spreading God's love, that are spreading the joy by worshiping God through telling everyone this year. I don't know what you came in with. I don't know what's weighing you down this season. I don't know what that barrier between where you're at and the joy that you're hoping for I don't know what that is. What I do know is that the joy that you're searching for is found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus. And today, some of you need to take a step back to Jesus. Some of you, a lot of other things have gotten the way. And some of you, you've confused showing up for church with having a relationship with Jesus. And it's it's time to stop with the games. It's time to stop with the other things that you're trying to find joy in. And it's time to come back to the true source of joy, which is Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much. This first Christmas was a messy story. God, that it was not perfect. God, we thank you that we can learn from the issues and the mess ups and the struggles that happened because our life looks a lot like that sometimes. So God, I pray that you would help us to to seek you, that you would help us to run to you. God, that you would help us in the midst of all of this to seek the joy that is found only in you. And for whoever it is in here right now, God, that needs to take that step to you. Lord, I pray that they do that today. God, I pray that they move towards you. Lord, that they worship you in the midst of their disappointment. As we continue to worship right now, God, I just pray that you would be present, that you would be drawing people to yourself. God, that you would be the one that we look to. 
throughout all the difficulties this year. Lord, we love you. We praise you, God, and we pray this in your name. Amen.